This podcast is brought to you with limited interruption by Rudy Luther Toyota. Whether looking for an exciting brand new Toyota, a certified pre-owned vehicle, or getting quality routine maintenance and service for your vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota is the place to go. Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. Subscribe to the podcast Beyond Politics. They host some of the biggest names and smartest minds. Beyond Politics is from a former Democratic congressman who helped ignite Barack Obama's campaign and a former campaign manager and political columnist. They go beyond the usual chatter on politics, news, science, and books. It's politics and everything beyond. On Beyond Politics, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Broadcasting live on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, and in the evenings on our good friends down at WCPT 820 Chicago's Progressive Talk. It is the Matt McNeil Show for your Thursday. Good to have you with us today. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. We will have Dr. Joe Eastman, our COVID modeling expert, join us. We might even talk a little bit about the measles down in Florida there. Uh, Patrick, how are we today? Uh, doing pretty well. Uh, uneventful day off. I did... Uh... I won't get too deep into this for the Chicago audience. I had a big hockey game last night, so that was fun. That uh, So that was kind of my day off yesterday. It is leap day. Uh, do you know anyone who is an actual February 29th baby? I feel like I knew someone, but I cannot place who they are. I have one friend who is a February, uh, February 29th baby. Uh, and he does whenever it's the official day, it's one of these days where it's actually the, uh, the birthday itself. He does a trip and people, he said that if you go around and you go places and you tell people that it's February 29th and it's your birthday and you can prove it, they generally do a lot of nice things. He was in, um, I think it was in Paris one time for his birthday and they found out it was his birthday and they gave him like free passes to this really high end, like 10 tasting menu dinner thing that was going on. So that was kind of, that, that was kind of nice. He, uh, yeah, just a, a kind of a fun thing that he does, I believe. And I'm not joking. I don't talk to him that much, but he occasionally shows up in my, my Facebook feed. I believe he's in Tahiti now, right now <laughs> enjoying his birthday, which is, that's a fun way to do it. Every four years, you just do a major trip. No, I agree. When you said, oh, he takes a trip, and that is a trip. That's a trip trip. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to, because let's face it, your kind of birthday, I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't exist. It just, it doesn't really exist. <laughs> the other days, what day are you born on a normal you know, year? Oh, I'm born on the day that doesn't exist this year. Yeah, so I get that. If it is your birthday, a happy birthday to you on a, a, a leap day. Uh, we have one more. I'm kind of glad just because I get tired of the calendar you know, February and March, especially up here in the north and the upper Midwest, they're not exactly the greatest weather months. And so it does feel a little Groundhog Day-ish to, to repeat the month, you know, day per day again. You know, so I'm kind of glad we break that up a little bit with the, the leap year. Uh, it is, of course, the last day of February, which means, if you're like me, it's, uh, of course, the last day of Black History Month. Or for most businesses that try to say they support Black History Month, it's the first time that you're going to hear, oh, we support Black History Month. Because very few, in my mind, do the advertising through the entire month. A lot of them do the advertising at the very end of the month. They say, hey, we're big supporters that you've not heard a thing of before the 27th of February. Yeah, uh, great. 
Uh, hey, maybe you should, you should talk to your marketing people and say, I don't know, the first is a good time to start this stuff. Just me. That's just you know me. And and you know because if, if you're going to go make a deal out of something, which I think celebrating Black history, Black culture, Black America is an incredibly important thing. Uh, you know, the white community steals from all their arts and entertainment constantly, so it's it's the least we could do. And, you know, there's that whole we still have yet to, in certain parts of this country, come to grips with the fact that there was slavery, heaven forbid. I love the idea of Black History Month. I love the idea of, of exposing people to different cultures and different in, in different histories. It just is, it's so predictable every month, every time we come around to Black History Month that the only time you'll ever see anyone advertise it is like the last three days of the month. Hey, you know, we haven't heard a thing about us for the first half of this month or most of the month, but hey, at the very end, guess what? We're here. Go team, go. Great. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. I hope you do have, uh, you know, time today to, you know, do the very least you can just. If you can, uh, I want to, I, I mentioned Trump's thing. Now I, I have to make a correction. I was wrong on something on the show because we we're in yesterday. There was so much breaking news that I screwed up one thing. And that was the finding by the courts in New York in Trump's civil trial in his business accounts. He is not off the hook for, I had said during the show that all he had to pay was a hundred million dollars that he didn't have to put up the full front. And if you don't know in New York, if you get found guilty of civil fraud in a business, in a business environment, you can appeal that case, but to prevent people from appealing and then saying, oops, I'm bankrupt now to appeal that case, you have to put the money that you owe in a bond, which if you win your appeal, you will get that money back. But if you don't win that appeal, then that money is, is secure. It's a good way to prevent people like, oh, I don't know, Donald Trump from basically abusing the system. He basically was trying to make an argument because reminder, he's he, he's desperately trying to find validation to halt not only paying out this amount of money, but as well, the money to E. Jean Carroll, which the court has already decided in that one and said, no, you need to pay this. He did have uh, they did give the court did give E. Jean Carroll's lawyers the ability to respond today. And boy, did they smack back on Trump saying, no, this is just him not wanting to ever pay. So we demand that he pays now. And the courts already basically said, no, we're not going to give you an extension on this. You need to pay that money. Um, so, you know, th- there is that it's, he he clearly does not have a lot of money. And so he has somewhere as far as available cash to him, somewhere in the realm of a hundred million to maybe 200 million, which is still a lot of money. It's not nearly the 400 million. He said under oath that he had as far as cash on hand. So that was a bit of a lie. And yesterday, if you didn't hear the show, Stein and I talked about the fact that He's already talking about having to sell buildings. That points to the fact that he's already leveraged to the gills on all of his properties. So that there's no money to borrow anyone. He's not going to be able to use, you know, a business as a, as a, um, uh, you know, kind of a a placeholder there. And the reason why is because he already owes so much money to other creditors on those, on those buildings. So there's that problem too. So he's already said, I'm going to have to start selling off businesses. 
I was wrong yesterday. I misread that, but that is where he does. He has to put forward in the business civil trial that $454 million, he has to put that bond up before he can appeal that case. All right. The funny thing is that they did give a wave of the banking rules because part of the ruling against Trump was that he could not uh, he could not um, uh, do business anymore with a bank based in New York City, New York or New York City, which is a lot of banks. But they said, I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll give you the out so that you can work with those banks for what I guess it was like three months to secure the financing for – this, if you need to, I don't know, it's three months or three weeks or whatever the case was, but he has some ability, some wiggle room to work with these banks. And I had multiple people come up and made the points like, think about this for a second. You're a bank and Donald Trump walks in the door whose, whose entire argument was, oh, I knew I was lying when I sold all my bill of goods to these people. They were just stupid idiots to not realize when I said in this, you, you know, I'm, I take no, you know, uh, you know, accountability for the numbers I've quoted in my own documents, <laughs> that 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 was not a viable excuse to basically lie. And so Donald Trump is going to walk into these banks. He's going to walk on in there and he's going to say to them, hello, I need $400 million alone. And, you know, sure, I promise I'll pay it back. There's no, he's going to have to sell his properties. He's going to have to start selling his properties. No one's going to give him, unless the bank is just absolutely run by the right wing and some guy that basically is only there to basically make sure Trump looks good. There's no way on the planet a bank's going to loan him the money or any money after that civil fraud trial. You've got to be kidding me. He's going to have to start selling off his properties. God, this is funny. And the thing is, you know, okay, so say he has a big building, but he's leveraged to the hilt on it. So let's say that. I mean, so he sells, say the building is worth, you know, legitimately, not what he says, like $100 million dollars. But if he owes $85 million on that $100 million, he only gets $15 million for that. He's going to have to sell off a lot of properties if he's leveraged to the hilt to get the money to appeal this case. Uh, that's, that, that's the warm bit of feeling you have. The other bit from yesterday, which was during the show, was the, the decision by the Supreme Court to rule on whether or not Trump or any president has absolute immunity while they are president of the United States, that they, that they could literally murder somebody in the street and all they can do is shrug their shoulders and say, you know what, that's that's his prerogative. He can do that if he so if he chooses. The Supreme Court already has given Trump a huge mulligan here because they could have decided to weigh in on this back in December and they chose not to. And now people are saying, well, they chose not to back then because they wanted to make sure that when they weighed in on it this time, it would be virtually impossible for him to be able to be held accountable before the election. So basically giving him the ability to say, here is the deal. We'll hold this up long enough for you. And it comes down to the election. If you win the election, then, you know, you, you can pardon yourself or whatever the case may be. Now, it doesn't hint at how the Supreme Court's going to rule here, but I do, I've thought a lot about 
what I consider to be the worst ruling in the history of the Supreme Court, and that's Dred Scott. And Dred Scott was a case where there was a law in the country at that point that if you went from a slave state to a free state, that you were technically a freed slave. Dred Scott was a slave who was working for a military officer, and part of his tenure was not only in Illinois, which was a free state, but as well in what was a territory of Minnesota at that point at Fort Snelling here. And he basically said, well, uh, technically I'm free now because I was in a free state. What Dred Scott basically ruled was that no, that law was unconstitutional, that black people are not considered to be, you know, human beings in this country and that slavery has no bounds. And as a matter of fact, went as far to say even freed black men in and women in this country had no rights to stay free, that you could have Southern raiding parties run into New York, take a bunch of black people and run back to the South, and there is nothing you could do about it that that is legal to do. And, of course, it was the spark along uh, with Harper's Ferry that kind of led to the Civil War that, you know, basically you, you created a situation where the North was so outraged by this that they were just, you know, they were looking for, you know, they were looking for the only re- response they could, which was, you know, actual armed conflict. So I, do, do the Supreme Court justices today want that level of dishonor on their names? We'll have to see. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on a Wednesday, on Thursday. Thursday. is the Matt McNeil Show on your Leap Day Thursday. There you go. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. I want to remind everybody that the Republicans are telling us exactly who they are. And it's hard to see people still today with this, you know, and I get it. You're upset about how things are going in Palestine. I get that you do understand what the other side is wanting to do that, that they want to make your life as miserable as possible and are, are basically bragging about it in your face and partially because the media is somewhat patrolled. And I'll get to that here in a second, but partially because the media is patrolled to them, but as well, because, you know, basically we, we, we have a tendency of wanting to be noble and righteous and just in our thought processes. So we focus on something minor and ignore the major. I don't want another situation like when we attacked Iraq uh, and went into Iraq after 9-11, which had nothing to do with 9-11. Uh, and a lot of Ralph Nader supporters were also like, I didn't want that to happen. And a lot of people that supported Bernie that decided to sit out 2016 when all of a sudden we got two babies in cages and the third Supreme Court justice, we had a lot of, well, I didn't want that to happen. I, I you know, I don't want to have to hear that again. And in, in the, the reality is, is that people get so micro-focused that they don't see the monster who is staring at them two inches from their face. A new bill advancing through the Kentucky state legislature would strip workers of many protections, including their right to have a lunch break. 
Louisville Public Media reports the new bill sponsored by GOP State Representative Philip Pratt would not only take away the right to lunch breaks, but also would relieve employers of their obligations to pay employees for travel time or to pay seventh-day overtime. So if you made someone work a seven-day week, that you, I guess in Kentucky you have to pay them overtime. He's like, oh, that, that's that just that we didn't make them work. Uh, the, uh, no, the representative Pratt, who's retiring from the legislature, has a potentially personal interest in getting this bill passed, as the landscaping company he owns could then make employees continue to work without eating. During the committee hearing this week discussing the bills, Pratt portrayed himself as an embattled entrepreneur struggling under the thug of oppressive government. I've often said, despite the best efforts of local, state, and federal government, I managed to succeed and keep my doors open. Oh, shut up, you arrogant twit. Pratt also downplayed its concerns that workers would be denied lunch breaks just because the government no longer required employees to get them. Um, yeah, that's why you want to get rid of them. <laughs> okay. You know, I, I, we've had this happen before. And it, it always blows my mind when I see union guys sit there and, and you look at a union guy and they're saying, wait a second, you're, you're going to vote for Republican? You know they want to kill your union, right? They want to kill your union. Well, yeah, but Trump. Okay, you know that this means you're going to get less pay, less worker rights, no pension, no health care. You're aware of that, right? Trump! Trump, 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 Trump. And then they pass the, they, they elect the guy, and then all of a sudden they're sitting there going, you know, why are my pay worse? Why don't I have any benefits? Darn you, Democrats! Yeah, it's, 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 it's what it is. They don't want to see the villain in front of their face, and they don't want to admit that they basically decided to poison their own water hole. And yet they do. This guy is basically saying, oh, what, you know, how many times have we had the guys like, well, just because we're going to get rid of the minimum wage doesn't mean people are going to get paid minimal wages less than that. Of course it does. And the second you get rid of it, people are saying, hey, this is the law now. Guess what it is. And he says, you're not going to get lunch breaks, but are you going to get like a 30-minute lunch break or are you going to get five minutes to eat and then get your butt back to work lunch breaks? Because I'm going to bet you this guy wants the, the, the latter. And argues like, oh, I'm, I'm compassionate. I gave them a full three minutes to eat their food. That sort of thing. In today's work environment, to say someone's not going to offer you a lunch break is ludicrous, Pratt said. Trust me, you're going to offer lunch breaks. You're going to offer lunch uh, offer breaks. You're going to do all that. No, you're not. That's why you want to get rid of them, you idiot. I mean, come on. How stupid do you think we are? The Gerald Atkins, a lobbyist with the uh, Kentucky State AFL-CIO, questioned why Pratt was such a rush to get tear down workers' rights in the state. These laws have been in place since 1958, 1974, and 1942, respectively. Why the sudden urgency to repeal laws that are in place to protect Kentucky workers? Pratt also sponsored a bill this year aimed at letting teenagers work longer hours later into school nights, which labor advocates have also decried as lower child labor standards. And yeah, so this guy... They're telling us who they are. And this guy thinks he's got a chance of getting this passed. Why else would he introduce it? Oh, and by the way, how about another one? The Alabama Supreme Court ruled two weeks ago that the frozen embryos are children. That's right. Frozen embryos are human beings. Causing several medical facilities to pause in vitro fertilization services, Republicans rushed to get ahead of the growing national outrage. Many Republicans insisted that although they oppose abortion and support U.S. Supreme Court's Dobbs ruling they overturned Roe v. Wade, they did not think that it would have to affect on the far-reaching, and they insisted repeatedly on camera they absolutely support in vitro fertilization. 
Once you pass a law to, or accept the new view of that life begins at con, uh, conception, IVF and some other forms of birth control at risk, along with abortion, it was never just about abortion and women's paid the price for all of it, wrote professor of law and NBC and MSNBC legal contributor Joyce Vance on February 23rd. Three days later, she added, it's pretty simple. If life begins at con, uh, conception, IVF is off the table. If you make an exception for IVF, then we're just having a conversation about who you're willing to make exceptions for. Republicans insisted they're willing to make an exception for IVF. For years, U.S. Senator Tammy Duckworth, who has been given birth, to, who has given birth to two children with the help of IVF, has tried to pass legislation to protect IVF. Republicans each time have ca- killed the bills. They've done it twice. So now, with the Republicans shaking because they see an, an issue which 70% of the population thinks intravitreal fertilization should be legal, she basically made another attempt on Wednesday and. U.S. Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith, a Republican from Mississippi, broke down the bill. She was looking for a unanimous passing, and she basically voted against it. She blocked an attempt by Tammy Duckworth to enshrine access to IVF in federal law on Wednesday by saying it would legalize the creation of human cloning and human animal chimeras. Uh, no, the bill does no such thing. Apparently the bill only says people have the right to invertly uh, in vitro fertilization that, that met medicine and doctors can perform in vitro fertilization without pressure or being prosecuted and that insurance companies have to cover it. That's the only thing the bill says. So Cindy Hyde Smith is lying, outright lying to make sure that they turn in vitro fertilization illegal. Duckworth stamped out Hyde-Smith's claim, saying she said at one point the bill would not allow for uh, chimeras, human-animal hybrids. It does nothing of the sort. All the bill says if you want to seek reproductive technology, you can. Senator Hyde-Smith killed the bill by formally objecting to Duckworth's bill on Wednesday, which the Illinois Democrat tried to pass via unanimous consent. It was the second time in two years that Senator Hyde-Smith has killed that bill. They're telling us exactly who they are. They're telling us exactly who they are. You will not have rights over your own body if you're a woman, and you sure as heck won't have workers' rights or even lunch breaks, and your kids will have to be working extra hours. They're telling us exactly who they are. They're not hiding it. So if you still think that sitting this election out or protest votes are a good idea, well, just shut up when you come to realize how wrong you are. We'll take a break. Come on back with Dr. Joe. It's the Matt McNeil Show. Broadcasting in the evening on WCPT 20 Chicago's Progressive Talk, and in the afternoons on AM 950, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota. It is the Matt McNeil Show for your Leap Day Thursday, 952-946-6205. Dr. Joe Eastman is our COVID modeling expert. He's been kind enough to join us on the air for over, well over three years at this point to talk about COVID, other diseases. He's kind enough to take some time today with some new news on COVID and long COVID, as well as measles, and talk with us. He's worked for NASA, the LRTE. He's Who, who is the group you're working with right now, Dr. Joe? The World Health Network, WHN. W, the WHN. Who's uh, that's uh, that's uh, you need to be following. There's there are good organizations out there. Is still putting out a lot of good information, and if you're and also I should mention Dr. Joe's newsletter. He's putting out a lot of good information too. That you know you're just not going to hear because you know like, apparently 
you know, mass disease outbreaks are still not that are, are not popular anymore. Who knew? Uh, hey, Doctor Joe, how are we today? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Matt? I'm doing okay. You're up in the Northland, in the very Northland part of the state of Minnesota, up there, and uh, you had open water not that long ago. It it was darn close. It just didn't quite stick around long enough, and then we hit. It dropped like. 30 degrees in two hours the other day, and we, we got down to two degrees, and she froze back up, but All right. it's gone again now. Well, I got, I, got, I got news for you. Take a look at the weather forecast in the next five days. I think you're going to be fine. You'll get, get the boat, get the outboard motor ready to go. Uh, okay, so we're going to we're going to approach measles first. Uh, there we have had measles occasionally flare up. I remember there was a a bad outbreak out in California and Disneyland when some idiot with with a kid with measles who was one of these anti vaxxers specifically took their kid to Disneyland and you know and and ended up getting a whole bunch of people sick. Currently in Florida, there's an outbreak that's going on out there. Their Surgeon General of the state of Florida is not helping because. He's basically said, I'm not going to require people to get measles vaccinations, and I'm going to leave it up to parents whether or not to send sick kids to school or not. And funny story, they're actually having a pretty severe measles outbreak there. You've actually been doing some of your modeling with the measles down in Florida, correct? Yeah, yeah. uh, The the model I have can handle about any pathogen you can throw at it. So I I saw that going on, and I thought, maybe I'll give this a crack. And... um, it's doing a pretty good job so far, and uh, if if Doctor, whatever his name, Wapadalo or whatever, continues on the course they're on, uh, it could get pretty serious and bleed into other states uh, across the states. Right, currently, right now, there's 35 or 15 different uh, states that have have measles cases going on, including Minnesota. Not Illinois, but uh, Minnesota has has had some just recently too. The okay, just and for the layman here, how is is measles more contagious than COVID? Or are they the same? What, what what's the status with measles specifically? Yeah, it, one of the ways that we we measure it is a called a reproduction number. This this uh, this number, this coefficient, and uh, measles is considered to have a value around eighteen um, or more. It depends on which study you read. But um, that's right in line where what COVID is right now. COVID used to be much, much smaller, um, around a, a two. And since it's uh, evolved over the, the last four years, it's it's up to around 18 to 20. So it, it is just as contagious, um, and it, it could be even more contagious. So it's, it's kind of a gray area. Well, Depends and- all you measure and one could make an argument: there is no, is there anything such such thing as an asymptomatic um, version of measles? I mean, it's measles are just measles, right? I well, you know, as I, <laughs> I was surprised, I read up on this some more, and the asymptomatic rate for measles turns out to be between five and ten percent. Uh, uh-huh. Currently, COVID for for us is somewhere. Between fifty and sixty percent is is kind of what the number we're going by now. So, um, yeah, they have asymptomatic cases. So these people, you know, there is a difference. You can't spread measles. You're not contagious until you start until the you know the pox start to, uh, appearing. You know the little red spots, and that's about 10, 10 days or 
So, and then it takes you like 12 days to recover from the darn thing. So mm-hmm. it's a, it's a long haul for the, for the kiddos, especially. And, uh, one out of five of them could end up with severe, uh, pneumonia and, uh, encephalitis and things like that. So, uh, yeah. It's a very serious thing going on right now. Well, and I was looking at your model, and you sent me a a, a gif of it. And one of the things that just scares me about looking at this model is where you're seeing the flare-ups. It's spring break season. Uh, My kids are coming home from college uh, tomorrow. Yeah, it's spring. People are going to be going to Florida. The places that seem to be really having outbreaks are the Orlando area, the the beach area of the east, the beach area of the west. It doesn't seem like this. I mean, you talked about the potential of this spreading nationwide. Obviously, if a bunch of people go down to to Florida and get measles, this could end up being a major outbreak nationwide. Oh, good grief. I didn't even think of that. Thank you. Well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good Lord. (laughs) <laughs> it's, uh, you know i the 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 youngsters you know in like under 30 uh they they got a much better chance of not catching it because their vaccines have not waned i what alarmed me was i just saw a recent study and and um between and this is a wide range it depends on how you measure it again um between 33 and 75 percent of people, um, especially the older people, don't have any any uh, anti antigens for uh, measles left in their their system. So um, as you get older, uh, you might maybe you have a few in there, but your immune system's getting depleted, and it's hard for it to catch up with anything and and retrain the the uh, B cells to uh, fight the darn measles. So. Uh, yeah, this could potentially be a pretty serious problem, especially for the old people and then the the kids under six. You know, they're they're at grave risk. So uh, we got to keep our eye on this, and uh, we don't need people like the Surgeon General in Florida spouting the the what he does. You know, he did the same thing with COVID, and look how well that turned out for him. Yeah, so, well, Florida was <laughs> one of the hardest hit places in the world. The the yeah. with measles, it's interesting because it seems like when I was a kid, at least you didn't hear about it. And I don't know if there was just not good reporting. It could have been happening. We could have had occasional measles outbreaks. But it just seems like this is one of those modern things where that that there's someone came up, one of these anti-vaxxers came up with a stupid idea that, oh, we were so much healthier back when the average person died at 45 uh, when we all got measles on a regular basis and had natural immunity versus now with everyone getting vaccinated and living to 75, 80 years old, it was so much better back then. And they don't even hear the logic, the flaws in their own logic problem. They just, they just want to believe it. Is it something where measles outbreaks have always consistently happened or are they becoming more and more common again with the anti-vaxxer movement? Oh, it's, yeah, it's really becoming common. I, I was just looking at England and uh, just since January 22nd, they have 568 new cases of measles in, in Ireland. They actually had their first case uh, just the other day. So if there's one case, and like I say, it takes 10 days before you're contagious um, and you know you have it, uh, all of a sudden you're, you're looking at uh, the possibility that this thing is probably already spread in Ireland even. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it, if, especially if you look at the uh, areas around Pakistan and uh, Azerbaijan, Pakistan, and 
in that whole area. The number of cases there is just absolutely phenomenal. I mean, you're talking like 15,000 in Kazakhstan, I think it was, last I looked. And it's like, wow, what do these people do? They don't vaccinate their kids, obviously. Uh, and uh, well. it's it, it's got, it has that potential. And, and then you combine it with what the, uh, the COVID's doing to our immune system and and uh, we're introducing, we're opening up the door to a lot of other pathogens that give us some kind of disease. Dang fever outbreaks are starting to pop up now. And, uh, it's yeah. pretty incredible what's going on. It is. It's just remarkable that as a country, I mean, we are the bellwether have been, we have been the bellwether success when it comes to vaccinations here. We have done <laughs> such a good job, but with success comes the ability to be stupid and and ignorant and and you know and and it just, it's it's amazing how many stupid people are out there you know causing more and more problems here it's something that we talked about and i've talked about with covid over and over again when covid came through it just it was selfishness that was trying to look wrap itself in legitimacy and it just when, when the people that were against vaccines and masking and stuff the reality is, is we, you and I have been talking for years about we don't know where this is going to go. We don't know what the long-term effects are. Yesterday, the New York Times put out a study. Long COVID may lead to measurably cogn- measurable cognitive decline, especially in the ability to remember, reason, and plan, says a new study. Cognitive testing of nearly 113,000 people in England found that those with persistent post-COVID symptoms scored the equivalent of a six IQ point lower than people who had never been infected with the coronavirus, according to the study in the New England Journal of Medicine. People who had been infected and no longer had symptoms also scored slightly lower than people who have never been infected. So basically, if you've never been infected, you're generally going to be six IQ points smarter than people who have uh, been infected uh, with the longer terms or the persistent post-COVID symptoms. I mean, that's a substantial difference in, I mean, at this point, it's, it's, this is one of those studies that comes out that you kind of stop and you're just saying, wow, this is actually monumental in when you think about the, the consequences of long COVID. Oh, yeah, you're, you're spot on. And at a time when it seems like we need all the IQ points we can as yeah. a collective nation, <laughs> Um, it's it's really frightening. Right now, one in 15 people in England have left the workforce due to long COVID, mainly brain fog, is is like you say. Um, and I, I believe I brought this up on your show over two years ago, that uh, uh, the people that did have long COVID, when they do brain scans, even kids after a mild infection, uh, it can show up to 10 years of aging on a person's brain, uh, just just by that uh, development of long COVID and the studies you cite, if you dig a little further and look at it, the longer since the onset of long COVID that you've had, the worse it gets. It's it's a progressive degeneration. It's not just, you know, we're six points lower, we're stuck there, we're going to plateau. No, it, it keeps getting worse and worse. And, and I have some biophysical mechanisms that... Uh, I, I don't think your listeners want to hear, but uh, <laughs> I've, I've pointed them out several several times in my newsletter, and uh, recent studies have come out and kind of confirmed it because COVID's affecting the mitochondria, the whole energy cycle in your cells, and, and creating these things called free radicals that 
just completely muck up your system. And then you got brain cells actually, they fuse, and that's basically like a short circuit in your wiring. So this is some really serious stuff that's going on right now. And and once again, we should mention, we, we, we there's a lot of people that are asymptomatic in regards to COVID. And they, so you may have COVID and you don't even know it. And part of the consequence of this, because we don't test anymore and we don't really care about it, is you could be losing IQ points at a fairly stunningly quick rate just because you just you, you don't even know how many times you've had COVID. Gosh, you're so spot on with that. I mean, whatever happened to the testing we used to do, uh, some hospitals don't even do it now. You come in with they just classify it as uh, illy or a rescue respiratory infection you know this is just insanity at a time when we should be collecting the best possible data for not just for this pandemic but future ones the way things are rolling right now we're gonna we're gonna be seeing more of this type of things go on i was just reading about uh uh, h9n1 the the avian flu virus and it's developed a mutation that uh is conducive to jump into humans so uh yeah where is where is this at uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm tr- I can't think of the country of origin right off the top of my head oh, right God. now. But, uh, it scared the hell out of me. I really did. <laughs> oh, well, it's, you know, I haven't had one of these terrifying visits with you in a while, Dr. Joe. It's actually really it's, it's comforting to, to basically get this, think- <laughs> get this terrifying stuff again. I'll tell you what, let's take a break. i got to take a break here. We'll come on back. We'll get the latest on COVID and the models that you're seeing there. And, of course, we'll go through our advice, and I'll give you some chance to talk about the NBA because I know you'll love the NBA. Dr. Joe Eastman is kind enough to join us here on a Thursday on your Leap Day, 952-946-6205. It's the Matt McNeil Show. It is the Matt McNeil Show on WCPT 820 Chicago's Progressive Talk and AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Dr. Joe Eastman, our COVID modeling expert, is kind enough to join us, who has just given us the delightful news that now there's a version of avian flu that could possibly jump to humans. Dear Lord, Dr. Joe, I, but you and I, you and I talked about this with COVID, that it, the, the, the real, the thing we had to become aware of is this was actually kind of inevitable the the fact that we were going to start seeing more of these diseases make the jump from animals to humans and frankly it's like dropping a kid off in a daycare they don't have you know and you're the parent you pick up your kid all of a sudden you're getting exposed to a lot of things you've not been exposed to and you get i mean i can just say this as a, as a parent that went through it you get sicker than a dog because you just start getting every illness not only do you have that but i saw the the study they're concerned about chronic wasting disease the disease that's in deer right now and that possibly jumping to humans. Yeah, yeah. I, we we got a whole buffet out there just waiting for us, you know. And uh, it, with with uh, COVID, you know, the thing is, we, we just kept, keep letting it run amok and uh, evolve and go through all these mutations that, um, you know, it, when we're talking about the brain fog, if you go back, you remember Delta virus. That was in yeah. you know, like July of, of 2021 uh, um you notice that that one that one really had an impact on the brain fog well what is the uh, current one circulating jn1 that's a that's an offspring of delta basically so mm-hmm. 
we we're not even seeing what this is going to do now. The the new JN one series, uh, what that's going to do to our long COVID and and uh, our brains moving forward. We we just hit the tip of, tip of the iceberg with this last surge. So um, yeah, it's it, it, I'm not real optimistic about our our short term future in terms of that. So I well and- I, I you know. Well, I was just going to—I was going to ask where, with with all of where we're at right now. Where is COVID? I mean, you would you would mentioned before that COVID has kind of got an asymptomatic rate of about fifty percent. Still means a lot of people are getting sick. How many people nationwide are dying in any given day with COVID right now? Yeah, yeah, that's um, somewhere between two and three hundred right now. Uh, so it's yeah, yeah. Uh, it, we're going to see you know some. We saw a little peak up, uptick in deaths from the recent one, but the long term, you know, if you're looking at long term and and the, the consequences of what this thing's doing to our, our different organs in our body, uh, the, the excess deaths will continue to mount and increase in in their uh, percentage. So it's it's uh, people just got to go and get their darn vaccine and then if they do test positive make sure you can get some packs within you because recent studies just show your chances of uh, not going to the hospital are so much better and uh, your long-term outcomes are are greatly reduced if you have a combination of those two so people need to keep doing that but as far as nationwide right now we're down to a mirror yeah i say mirror uh, about four hundred thousand. Uh, new cases a day that are occurring. So uh, it's it's going to continue to ramp down. I'm, I'm just putting together my new forecast, so I'm glad you asked about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to continue to ramp down towards the end of May, and then then I'm seeing some of the uh, newer variants start to pick up and take over as, as the, uh, the natural immunity wanes. Mm-hmm. And, of course, our vaccine uptake is just horrible. And uh, so... Expect a, another surge coming in uh, June and July. Not a big one, but more of a slow, sloping hill uh, kind of increase over the two months after that, J- June and July. Do so, you, uh, will yeah. will there be another vaccine? Do you think that's going to be coming on here, here fairly soon that they're going to advise people to get? Yeah. It's, um, well, the, yesterday the. Uh, the, uh, I sat in on a meeting all day at the uh, uh, what's it called the advisory committee on immunization practices, and their only recommendation on the vaccine was 65 and older can get a, another booster after four months from their previous shot. Well, wait a second. What about the rest of the people out there? You know, it's it's been proven that uh, you're going to reduce your chances of bad outcomes if you're kept up to date on your booster so i i sat there in this meeting and it was like a old guard of doctors sitting on this panel and they're they're, they're just like sticking to their old beliefs and, and it was really frustrating to watch mm-hmm. and there was one doctor that was very contentious with the rest of them but that was it uh, these people are on this panel and they've been there for too long as far as i'm concerned uh um well, I do. I just we we have to make sure we get out there and just say, you know, be careful if you're in large groups. Masking still is still the best option, and making sure you're getting up to date on your vaccines, and not only that, but your flu shot if you haven't gotten that. Getting these is 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 a good idea. 
Oh gosh, yes, yes. And Ed, you know, I just wish people. And we made a breakthrough on HICPAC. Remember, I've told you about that before. Now we got people going on to the actual committee that are going to give the rec- recommendations. You're going to see N95s on all hospital staff and visitors. I would say before the end of this year. And thank God, because we spent two, three decades with these baggy blues, we call them the surgical masks that basically you might as well have a piece of toilet paper wrapped around your head, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So that's going to happen. And I'm really encouraged by that. That's going to help because a lot of infections, not just COVID come from a hospital. So you can reduce that. Good. I was on the airplanes, man. I was talking about being on an airplane and, you know, we're the only people wearing masks and you're like, okay, it's, it's, unless we start taking this seriously again, it's going to just, it's going to hang around for a long time until a variant comes through that starts really doing damage. And I, and I, that's what scares me most of all. Uh, Dr. Dr. Joe, you are a fan of the NBA. I know you like your Timberwolves, but man, they kind of suck in the third and fourth quarter. (laughs) we're not going to play defense anymore it got us to this point we can coast now you know Uh, it's like oh come on but you know all teams go through these slumps oh god they're so young i I know there's there's a lot of bulls fans out there but you know what i i see a lot of good parts on that team you know kobe white with that that large hairdo of his i just love watching the guy but uh Andre Drummond and DeRozan. What a beast that guy can be. Uh, Dr. Joe, we'll have to end it there, man. You've just made a lot of fans in Chicago. Thank you very much, Dr. Joe. Chicago, talk to you tomorrow. Minneapolis, St. Paul, Hour 2 up next. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. 952-946-6205 952-946-6205 How about Dr. Joe throwing up for the Chicago audience? <laughs> he knows his basketball. He knows his NBA. He I I, I do I I got to tell you. I get texts from him during the Wolves games. Did you see this? Oh, he just he's fun to, he's fun to have as a friend. He definitely is. <laughs> oh, gosh. Nas Reed, man. Nas Reed. Nas, you are my favorite player in the NBA right now, man. I, The key to that team, I mean, as talented as Edwards is, as talented as Cat is, as talented as Rudy Gobert is, that team is solidifying. Nas Reed is such an important cog in that machine, man. And he is delivering. I'm feeling good about this team. Man. I'm feeling good about the T-Wolves. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. It is Listener Appreciation Month here at AM950. As, speaking of your all-stars, you're my all-star. There you are. Uh, <laughs> we have been giving away prizes all month long here, and it's long overdue because you guys have been fantastic to us, been supporting of us, you've been supporting our sponsors. We're so grateful for that. And so we're doing an entire month here. Now, we got a grand prize, and I cannot say I have been told Every single day I walk into the studio, Matt, you cannot share the details on it. Now, could I be bribed? <laughs> Hello there. <laughs> Depends on the, I mean, no, I mean, no boss, never. I could never be bribed. We'll tell you soon. Don't worry about that. Can I bribe you with an Arby's beef and cheddar? Oh, now you're just getting, oh, now you're just teasing me. Now you're just teasing. If you could bring back 
the Arby's potato triangles, potato cake triangles, I'll be blabbing all day long, man. <laughs> I've been telling everybody. Uh, you know, yeah, that's that's right in my sweet spot there. That or spam, one of the two. But needless to say, I have been informed by the station's lawyers, zip it, Matt, and so I shall. I will not say anything about it, but we've got to, we're going to be announcing it fairly soon here. So just you wait. All right. Uh, this week, the giveaways we're giving away uh, include uh, a $50 gift certificate to Vinaigrette, which is fantastic. Also, we've got copies of Tom Hartman's new book, The Hidden History of the War on Voting, Who Stole Your Vote and How to Get It Back. As a matter of fact, I'm giving away a copy of that later on this hour. So listen for your chance to call in and be the right number caller, and you'll get yourself a copy of Tom Hartman's book. Reminder as well, not only can you win on my show, you can win on Native Roots Radio, which is right after my show, Ghost Box Radio with Bakken, which is fantastic. You can listen to that at 10 o'clock tonight. You can get prizes there. Also, I should mention you should go over to uh, the Facebook page on AM950, and you can like the page, like any of the posts on the page, comment on those posts. You'll get entered in that way. Go get the email newsletter. You can go uh, check that out, and then you can get entered in that way. It's our way of saying thank you. Uh, we Once again, a little bit later on today, a copy of Tom Hartman's new book, The Hidden History of the War on Voting, Who Stole Your Vote, and How to Get It Back. We'll be giving that away right here on AM950, 952-946-6205. 9529466205. I want to mention one thing here and I and I the people on the right are telling us exactly who they are. In the three o'clock hour, I mentioned the guy in Kentucky who basically wants to gut all workers' rights laws. And his argument is, well, of course we'll still allow you to have a lunch break. Well, then why get rid of the lunch break? See, they, they don't even want to they're telling us exactly who they are. You have the woman who basically is, oh well, we're not against in vitro fertilization. Okay, let's make it, a, let's make it, enshrine it into to the law. Oh, I'm not going to do that. They're telling us who they are. Part of the reason why they dis, they they is able they're able to disguise their agenda behind a narrative. If I were to tell you what the issue is this election and probably every election for the next five years, it's women's reproductive rights. And birth control is on the table uh, in, in regard to whether or not that's going to be legal. In vitro fertilization is going to be basically illegal. It's already illegal in, in Alabama. It's, it's illegal. I mean, think about this. I mean, this is something that Colbert brought up last night, I believe it was, or maybe the night before. He said that the, you know, in, if you're in Alabama and you go to in vitro fertilization, part of your life plan now has to be funding for permanent cryo storage, permanent cryo storage of your frozen embryos because Alabama does not allow you to get rid of them, that they are a human life. So that if you have in vitro fertilization in Alabama or you're going through the process and they have your frozen embryos, you literally have to pay for the rest of your life for storage of those frozen embryos because the, the, the state of Alabama will not allow you to get rid of them. Even after you're pregnant. It's crazy. They're telling you exactly what, what they're going to do. And, and clearly abortion rights, in vitro fertilization rights, birth control rights, these are all things that are going to get cut and killed by the Republicans. They're not hiding it. They're talking about doing this. They've already got these personhood bills in all these, these states. It's just it's 
it, they're telling you exactly what they want to do. And they've been very straightforward that Trump says he wants to pa- pass a national abortion ban. He wants that, that the Republicans want to do this. They're telling you exactly what they're doing. But what they also are doing is screaming, the real issue this year is the border. Is it? Border crossings are actually fewer than they were under Trump. No joke. Under Trump, there were more border crossings. As much as Republicans, Republicans a year ago started screaming, and they did this because they knew birth control, the overturning of Roe v. Wade, is a toxic issue for them. So a year ago, they started screaming, border, 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 border. And every single Republican keeps screaming, border, 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 even Republicans that have nothing to do with the freaking border. And mind you, unless you're Native American, you dim bulbs, you all were freaking immigrants at some point. Idiots. <laughs> with, with, with uh, you know, uh, you know, the Republicans' standards are they 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 basically have to hide in plain sight. Now the cri- the crime is this: I have seen multiple news outlets now say, "Here's CNN. This was CNN right before I left to come to the station today." Biden, Trump make dueling boarding videos that says immigration dominates 2024 race. Does it dominate? I would guess in vitro fertilization becoming illegal under a Republican administration, that that, that would dominate. That's going to dominate. I would say getting rid of birth control, that kind of dominates. Trump being a criminal, that kind of dominates. No. What has the Republicans done? They keep screaming border, 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 and the news media, whether they're complicit or they're just fools, they run along with it. The main issue this year is not the border. The main issue this year is, do we have a freaking democracy at the end of all this? And they've got to convince you to ignore the giant, ugly troll two inches in front of your face. And once again, they've done this before. In 2000, they got you to ignore the clearly inferior George George W. Bush and went along with that because, you know, Al Gore wasn't the perfect candidate. Yeah, George W. Bush was sure as heck wasn't, was he? And then they got you in, in 2016. They got you to just like, you, you know, I, the thing which was crazy is I remember in 2016 having fairly loud, uh, loud arguments with people who was like, Hillary Clinton is not exactly who I want. I said, and Donald Trump is? She's no worse than he is. And like I said, a lot of Bernie supporters in later years after 2016, we're not exactly bragging a lot when he put babies into freaking cages and basically put his three, third Supreme Court justice on the court. It is comical to see how often the media and the left falls for this stuff. No, the border the border's an issue. Obviously it is. Immigration is a bit of an issue. Is it the issue? I don't know. The guy that basically wants to take away your lunch break seems like a pretty big one to me. The person that basically says that if you if you need in vitro fertilization, you better make sure you're careful which state you try to get that treatment in because you might be spending part of your income for the rest of your life and your kids' lives and their kids' lives and their kids' lives paying for freezer storage for your frozen embryos. And as well, you know, of course, it's the whole birth control thing, which is once again, they're trying to get rid of birth control. So do not be a fool. 
Do not be dumb. Do not be stupid. Do not allow them to dictate because they're screaming border, not because the border is the biggest issue in this country, but because they can't argue anything else. They're on the wrong side of everything else. So they have to scream about the border. Don't buy it. Because I'll tell you what, that border, is that going to affect most of us? Absolutely not. Well, it, well, here's one thing that's kind of funny. If you did stop all the undocumented workers from coming across the border, all of a sudden our, our food and produce prices would skyrocket because, frankly, the ugly truth about America is we need to have the undocumented worker to be able to produce the food at the cost that we get it at today. But, hey, I'll let that be a surprise because that's already something we've learned. No, the border isn't the issue this year. It's women's rights, it's workers' rights, and it's whether or not we have a freaking democracy at the end of this. And when the Republicans keep screaming about border, 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 reminder, they're only doing that because they cannot talk about any other issue and immediately start asking them about in vitro fertilization and birth control, whether that should be available. Immediately, right in their face. Everyone, and, and we need to do that. You need to have the guts. Grow a spine. I do it every freaking day on this station. I need people out there that when Pete Stauber starts, uh, it's the border crisis from the Minnesota 8th District of all places, he starts screaming it's a border crisis to say, so, so should women have full access to birth control? Don't make me answer that. Should even vitro fertilization be legal for, oh, God, you know, frozen embryos, that's a tough choice. (laughs) Throw it back in their face, people. Throw it back in their face. 952-946-6205. Speaking of which, let me do the next one. Uh, Hey, budget bills and everything. Democrats passed all their, their budget bills and everything last year and the Republicans, they came storming out of the Capitol in St. Paul. <laughs> They're furious. They're furious because they had a deal to get a lot of stuff they wanted to get funded in uh, 2022. They walked away from it because they said, oh, we're going to win everything this election cycle. Funny story, they didn't. And then they had to sit back and watch as the Democrats became a unified force and passed, the DFL passed basically a litany of legislation that they've only dreamed of getting passed. And they came storming out of the Capitol. (laughs) Came down and basically started screaming at the top of their lungs. Well, when we have massive budget deficits and nobody can afford anything, you make sure you point towards them. So once again, after all this, the Republicans call, the gamble they made was massive budget deficits. All right. Let's see how that's going for them. Minnesota lawmakers will have more money available this year than previously expected as officials project a $3.7 billion state budget surplus on Thursday. That, that's surplus. That's, so that's not a deficit. That's a surplus. So let's just come to grips with the reality. The Democrats, the DFL, are just far better at economic issues than the Republicans. Absolutely. The Republicans gave us the massive budget deficit with the Trump era tax cuts. That's what caused that massive budget deficit was the Trump era tax cuts. In Minnesota, Democrats getting in charge, and guess what? It's it's surplus ahoy. But I'm I'm sure the the Republican. As a matter of fact, I actually have a quote here. I'll I'll get to that in a second. 
The surplus increased $1.3 billion from projections released in December, driven by higher-than-anticipated tax collections over the last few months, while spending estimates have remained mostly unchanged. Separately, Minnesota is also about $2.9 billion in its rainy day fund. Ta-da! Our economy is humming along, said DFL Governor Tim Walls on Thursday, touting, did you hear in the background, no, it's not! Doubting the legislature's investment last year in the free school meals program, the child's tax credit, and the sizable infrastructure bill. The forecast doesn't change our focus for this session. We are focused on implementation and infrastructure. Last spring, Minnesota lawmakers passed a two-year budget and spent nearly all the $17.5 billion budget surplus. The main job for lawmakers this year is passing a package of construction projects in a bonding bill, but individual DFL lawmakers have already pitched some new spending on things such as child care in schools. I would make an argument we need to do something about childcare for sure. I mean, that's just getting so out of out of control. It's not even funny. When the state surplus is improved, officials are still urging fiscal caution. Though a potential shortfall of about 1.5 billion could occur in the upcoming years if lawmakers don't leave some of the surplus on the bottom line. Well, we've got more than enough to cover that. I don't. You just you know you take care of some issues and then you just leave a, the, the enough there to cover the deficit. And then if we have another budget surplus like Democrats seem to be having on a regular basis, well, you know, grab some grab some whipped cream, nuts, and a cherry. There you go. If they spend more than $2.2 billion, it would be uh, projected to dip into the negative, said Minnesota Management and Budget, Budget Commissioner Aaron Campbell. The imbalance, though, has shrunk since the last economic forecast released in December, which showed a $2.4 billion surplus this year, followed by a deficit of nearly the same size in the next budget. If the surplus wasn't completely left intact, uh, Republican legislative leaders were less optimistic about Thursday's surplus news, saying Minnesota is still at risk of a deficit in the near future. <laughs> oh, God, I love this. Republicans have been warning since last session that this rampant spending will only hurt Minnesotans, and this forecast proves that. <laughs> Said Mouse Minority Leader Lisa DeMuth of Cold Springs. Now, Minority Leader DeMuth, uh, she might uh, might have missed the lead there that we actually have a budget surplus. I don't know there. We have a budget surplus. Republicans have been warning since last session that this rampant spending will only hurt Minnesotans, and this budget surplus proves that. <laughs> oh, DeMuth. Good luck with that. Budget officials say they expect the state's economic outlook will improve this year and into the next. Minnesota's unemployment rate is below the national rate, and economists expect inflation to continue to drop. Corporate profits and tax revenues collected from the state are also expected to grow over the next two years. State economist Lisa, I'm not even going to try that last name, said conflicts overseas uh, or a possible federal government shutdown could shift the positive outlook. But that's not stuff that's in the control of the DFL in the state of Minnesota. As a matter of fact, once again, the DFL has delivered. Not only has the quality of life great and better here in Minnesota, but we have a budget surplus to go along with it where we can help more people. Now, I want to make sure one last point I want to bring about this is it never ceases to amaze me that we will always, always, always have Republicans who are like, you're wasting my taxpayer dollars. I'm moving to Texas or I'm moving to Florida. And I'm like, bon voyage, man. Because there is this broken mentality within the Republican Party when they sit there and they say, we're going to peel off the western third of the state and go to South Dakota, that somehow their lives are going to be the same quality of life they have in Minnesota 
only they're not going to have to pay for it. And they don't understand, no, you're right. You might not have a state tax on some of these states, but you know what you also don't have? Quality of life for anything. Your life will suck in these other states. And there are people who have, in the last few years, moved away only to move back when they realize, holy God, you can't believe the schools down there. Oh, my God, you can't believe how bad the roads are down there. Oh, my God, you can't believe the, 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 the lack of parks or basic infrastructure down there. The quality medical care doesn't exist down there unless you're incredibly wealthy. That is that is the world that they think they they think they can go down there and that it's some sort of utopia. And the reality is it's far worse down there. But I'll let that be a surprise. You know what? Minnesota, you're kicking ass. You are absolutely kicking ass. And you're kicking ass because you put the DFL in charge. And with the DFL in charge, everyone is getting benefits. Everyone's getting tax rebates and everybody is we get a budget surplus so we can do even more to help fix this state god bless you democrats god bless you tim walls and uh let's keep going and bless minnesota 952-946-6205 952-946-6205 take a break come on back it's the matt mcneil show right here on am 950 AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. So I'm going to go back into this recurring theme on today's show. Is they're telling us exactly who they are. And if you're dumb enough to fall for their, the border is the only issue you can talk about. You're, they, they, they desperately only want you to focus on that or being outraged at Joe Biden and ignore the fact that they want to get rid of all workers' rights, that they want to end democracy, they want to start taking over women's bodies, even more than they already do. And then there's this little nugget that I think that everyone needs to listen to this and be very, we need to understand the complexities of this. Nearly three in 10 Minnesotans, including a majority of the Minnesota Republicans, hold Christian nationalist views, according to a new survey of 50 states conducted by the Public Religion Research Institute. Christian nationalists support an aggressive fusion of church and state and believe in a Christian primacy in politics and law, in the words of conservative commentator David French. For the purposes of the study, respondents were asked how much they agreed with the following five statements. One, the U.S. government should declare American a Christian nation. Two, U.S. law should be based on Christian values. Three, if the U.S. moves away from our Christian foundations, we will not have a country anymore. Four, being Christian is an important part of being truly American. And five, God has all called Christians to exercise dominion all over, of, over all areas of American society. God has called Christians to exercise dominion over all areas of American society. Wow, that's terrifying. And mind you, should mind you that most Trump Christians have admitted they don't go to church but once a year, if that. So it tells you exactly, this is not about any kind of Christianity. It's not about feeding the hungry, taking care of the sick, any of that stuff. No, it's about basically forcing their will, their political will on others under the argument that their political points of view are somehow Christian. Make sure we understand that. That is what the Republicans want to do. The survey group categorized Americans based on their level of agreement with those uh, propositions. 
Those who agreed with all five were classified as Christian nationalist adherents, while those supporting most of them were categorized as sympathizers for the cause. People disagreeing with most of the five items were labeled as skeptics, while those rejecting all five completely were dubbed, dubbed rejectors. Now, I would be qualified as a rejector, even though I'm a Christian, because separation of church and state tells me we should not have any of those things. Of the 450 Minnesotans surveyed, 8% were in adherents. Um, so 8% said they agreed with all of them. An additional 20% were sympathizers. 39% were skeptical. 29% rejected all five notions completely. So I want to make sure we understand that the vast majority of the people that were in this survey out of Minnesota disagree with those statements, which is a good thing. Um, basically 68%. But you should not just skip past that 28% either completely agree with those or are mostly on board with those. Those breakdowns were virtually identical among all Americans as a whole. In Minnesota, 53% of Republicans are adherents or sympathizers. 53% of Republicans are adherents or sympathizers. Think that most of those five things should be the law of the land. While half of the independents are skeptics and a solid majority of Democrats reject Christian nationalism, the margin error for Minnesota was a plus or minus 5.8%. Relative to other Americans, Christian nationalists are less likely to have four-year degree, more likely to be over the age of 50, more likely to be Republican, more likely to identify as born-again or evangelical Christian. Support for Christian nationalism is especially high in conservative rural states. In neighboring North Dakota, for instance, half the adult population espouses Christian nationalist views supports and also high in Republican strongholds like the Gulf Coast as well as parts of Appalachia. Christian nationalists see political struggles through the apocalyptic lens of revolution and violence. According to the report, roughly half of the adherents and sympathizers believe there's a storm coming that will sweep away the elites of power and restore the rightful leaders. Additionally, more than one-third of Christian nationalists agree that because things have gotten so far off track, true American patriots may need to restore the to resort to violence to save the country. Um, one-third of Christian nationalists, one-third of them, say this. Just 17% of skeptics and 7% of rejectors say the same. This is basically how a minority point of view tr- views. Uh, okay, we have to understand what we're looking at. We're looking at a minority point of view but a minority point of view that feels as if they, they, they have to force their will on everyone else. And trust me, history is full of cases where a small percentage of the population has basically won a conflict and taken over a country and driven it off the, off the ledge. Absolutely. They're telling us exactly who they are. In Minnesota, I want to repeat this number. In Minnesota, 53% of Republicans either agree with all five of those Christian nationalist statements or the majority of those Christian nationalist statements. I'll tell you what, let's take a break. I'll come back. I'm going to go through those five statements again. And I want to talk about Republicans because I want to make sure you understand that even in the suburbs, even when they put on their, I'm really a moderate face, they're not moderates because the majority of their party wants to force Christianity, but not really Christianity, their version of Christianity, which is really not Christianity. It's just Republican talking points. They want to force that down everyone's throat. 
952-946-6205. It's the Matt McNeil Show on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. Reminder, I've got a book of Tom Hartman here, the the latest book from him, The Hidden History on the War on Voting, Who Stole Your Vote and How to Get It Back. We still got to give away a copy of that yet some point today. Keep listening for that. 952-946-6205. So this is a study, this is a report out of Minnesota Reformer. And once again, it's a study that was done asking the following five questions. And I want to repeat these five questions because these are terrifying questions. One, the U.S. government should declare America a Christian nation. Two, U.S. laws should be based on Christian values. Three, if the U.S. moves away from our Christian foundations, we will not have a country anymore. Four, being Christian is an important part of being truly American. And five, God has called Christians to exercise dominion over all areas of American society. That last one's a real doozy, isn't it? Now, mind you, all this goes exactly against the Founding Fathers. And by the way, if you've not ever read anything about the Founding Fathers of the country and how they specifically did not want to have one religion mentality in this country, then stop talking authoritatively about them. It's not like they hid this. I mean, Washington, when he was when when he was uh, you know out in the people, he would specifically search out different religions and denominations to go and meet with and talk with. Not just Christians; they all did. They understood that they were trying to create something new here. And no, they did not want to have a Christian nation. That is modern-day politicians who are trying to find some sort of patriotic tie-in to their absolute warping of Christianity to their political point of view and then forcing that on everyone else. Because I can tell you right now, give a great example, disclaimer, you do or don't do whatever it is you do or don't want to do. I'm Christian. Gospel of Matthew tells you very distinctly to feed all people, give them health care, welcome in strangers from strange lands. None of those things. Those are three direct teachings from Jesus, which are repeated often. The guy that makes Christians Christians. All three of those things are repeated within the Bible over and over again. None of them want to do that. What do they want to do? They don't want to feed the hungry. They don't want to take care of the sick. They sure as heck do not want to welcome in strangers from strange lands. They clearly don't want to do any of those things. So this idea of a Christian nation, no, it's not a Christian nation. It is their version of Christianity, which is basically Republican talking points wrapped around a cross. And that's all it is. But those are some pretty freaking bizarre statements. And once again, the study shows a Minnesota, 450 Minnesotans surveyed, 8% were adherents completely on board with all five of those statements. 20% were sympathizers agreeing to a majority of those statements. In Minnesota, 53% of Republicans are either adherents or sympathizers. A majority of the Republican Party in Minnesota agrees with all or most of the following five statements. The U.S. government should declare America a Christian nation. U.S. laws should be based on Christian values. If the U.S. moves away from our Christian foundations, we will not have a country anymore. Being Christian is an important part of being truly American, and God has called Christians to exercise dominion over all areas of American society. 53% of Christians agree with all five of those things or the vast majority of those things. 53% of Republicans. 
53% of Republicans think that that is what we, we should have in this country. 53% of Minnesota Republicans. I bring this up because we are going to have Republicans running in the suburbs or running in the Duluth Metro or running in Rochester or running in Mankato or running up in, in, in Moorhead. And they're going to be running in that Minnesota 8th District. I'm looking at you, Pete Stubby, and running out in one with Finstad. And they're going to be sitting there and they're going to be sitting there making the argument. They're going to be like, you know, you know, I'm not really this this far right guy. I disagree with my party all the time. The Republican Party does not allow for dissent. I want to remind people of the um, who is the guy I, I keep forgetting his name. Who is the guy that ran for for governor uh, for the Republicans? That uh, Mr. Anti-Vax guy uh, Jensen. Thank you, yeah, Dr. Scott Jensen. Thank you. I forget his name. He's pretty bland. He's like the beige of politics. Anyway, <laughs> or eggshell white. He's eggshell white. Anyway, he put forward, remember when he put forward his di- you know, insulin bill to, to help people? I mean, he's a doctor. He's a Republican. He put this bill to try to help people. His own party made him vote against it. There is no, you know, divisiveness within the Republican Party. They are all marching in step with the extremist far right. The majority of their party wants to force Christianity on the rest of us. The majority of Republicans. So when that that folksy old Republican starts running in that plus 5D suburban district say, hey, I don't know where you get the idea. I'm with them all the time. I have my own independent views. Ha! They're lying. No, it just they're lying. They're lying. They would never go against the Republican base. They would never go against the Republicans. Nope, they would not. Think of the most extreme far-right Republican in the state, Lucero or ZZ Flop uh, or Walter or, or Dreskowski. Gruenhagen, Franton, you think of the most extremist far-right Republican, that is where their marching orders come from. And that's not just me saying that. That's a poll where 53% of Republicans in the state of Minnesota demand that we turn this country into a Christian nation over uber alles. And they, but they can't win with that in the, in the metro suburbs. They can't win with that. So they're going to lie. I don't know how else to tell you. They're lying to you. We've already seen Jensen have to basically break his own back on his own insulin bill because the, the Republican Party demanded it be killed. And so the guy who had crafted this bill, who'd carried this bill, had to kill his own bill, not because he wanted to, but because he was betrothed to the Republican Party. There is not a single damn Republican that's got any kind of ability to deviate from the far-right Republican course. And they might put on their gee-gosh-gee-willikers look. They're lying. They will take their orders from the most far-right extremist part of the party. 
That's not me saying it. That's themselves saying it. When was the last time you saw a Republican with the guts, with the guts to break from his own party and and basically vote against what the far-right extreme was saying? The, we saw last year, even the common sense, no brainer bills. Nope. Republicans were in unison against them all. There's no wiggle room here. They're lying. They've got to trick you into voting for them. And sure, in some places like the school board down in Hastings or in some tertiary suburb in the north, they might be able to convince you, you know, there might be enough far-right Christian nationalists to say, oh, yeah, sure, okay, I guess we can get the extremists in there. But if you are in a Democratic district or even a toss-up district, don't buy this lie, this I'm really a moderate, This, this, this candidate who can't scrub the red off their political signs fast enough that buries their endorsements on their webpage. I'm a, I'm a free thinker. No, you're not. If you're a Republican, you're only going to do what the Republican Party, the far-right elements of it, are telling you to do. This is why even guys like Ken Buck are leaving the Republican Party. I mean, Ken Buck's not a middle-of-the-roader. He's kind of more on the extreme side. And he, can't, he can see that this is not going to go anywhere good for him. So I, I just don't know what to say to you. I mean, it's just clear. They are telling us exactly who they are. They, they, they look at a budget surplus and they can't even say, hey, great news for Minnesota. It's like, no, it's a horrible news once again. They're so broken, they, they, just, they can't ever work for the better of the state. They have their far-right agenda. That has nothing to do with Minnesota. It's written and developed in Dallas or Oklahoma or, or Wyoming, and it's shipped here, and they're basically told to jump, and they say, how high? There is no moderate Republican left. There isn't. And so in all of these suburban races, in all of these districts, when that Republican comes out and say, gee, Wilkers, where did you ever get the idea? I'm just a blind vote for the Republicans. They're lying because they're just a blind vote for the Republicans. Extremism has taken over that party and you will not get rid of it. My guess is for the Republicans who are still out there with some sort of conscience, Instead of basically blindly voting Republican this year, maybe it's time for you to start sitting out a few elections and making the rest of the far right realize they need you far more than you need them. They are the ones who sat there. They are the ones who freely answered this. They are the ones that are calling for a, a Christian nationalist nation. 53% of Republicans in the state of Minnesota want to force Christianity, but not really Christianity, their Republican version of Christianity. They want to force that on everyone else. They want to force that on everyone else. And there isn't a freaking moderate Democrat left. So whenever they tell you, I'm not on board with that, they're lying.
They're just lying. Remember that. God, I mean, it, and it's not like we don't have signs. Do you remember that one year when the Republicans, they, they basically got enough Republicans to pass a bonding bill? And by basically giving those Republicans a bunch of money for their individual districts and the Republican Party ran those Republicans out of the party. Remember that? There is no moderate left. There isn't any independent thinking left in the Republican Party. It's just democracy on the line this election. Just keep that in mind. No, the border is not the most important thing. It's whether or not we have a country anymore. And if you're anything but but a Trump Republican Christian, they're going to force their agenda on you if they win. If you're Muslim or Jewish, if you're atheist, or if you're a Christian faith they don't agree with. What do you mean you're teaching the gospel of Matthew? Don't you know that that doesn't count anymore? Yeah, you should be pretty freaking terrified. And you should not sit here and just accept that when that that plucky little moderate Republican comes on out, that moderate, I'm a moderate, I will, I'll agree with the Democrats some of the time. No, they won't. Nope, nope. They are a rubber stamp for the rest of the party. They're lying, plain and simple. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. So, have lesson learned, everyone? Good, 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 good. Let's give away a copy of Tom Hartman's new book, The Hidden History of the War on Voting, Who Stole Your Vote and How to Get It Back. Uh, caller number 5, 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. Caller number 5, you'll win yourself a copy of Tom Hartman's book, Good Luck, part of Listener Appreciation Month, right here on AM 950. 952-946-6205, caller 5, good luck. We'll take a break, come on back. I got some outstate news to get to when we do return. It's the Matt McNeil Show. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It is the Matt McNeil Show. 952 946 6205. 952 946 6205 is the phone number. Uh, we're, we, Patrick, we'll find out the winner here in just a second. We do have our winner of the book here. We'll mention that in a moment. Uh, two stories from up north there. Uh, first of all, uh, how much longer will the Skyline Parkway up in Duluth be open? Now, if you've never done the Skyline Parkway, it is truly one of the most pretty ro- prettiest roads I've ever been on. It is an absolutely gorgeous stretch of roadway, runs on the very top of the hill in Duluth and gives you spectacular views of downtown Duluth as well as Lake Superior. And of course, there are a lot of people that like to speed on it and speed on it fairly strong. Uh, There apparently has been a few accidents, including some deaths. Two deaths in the past month underscore the possible life and death stakes of uh, the inaction of doing nothing there. Some people want to shut it down and they kind of point to when they shut it down during covid and said you know this would be a good idea i i got a very easy solution just put some of those big rolling speed bumps on it if you just put some of the big rolling speed bumps on it the people can't go fast on it and by the way you probably shouldn't go fast on it anyway it's it's a spectacular view but i would yeah i would make the argument that's the, the easiest way for you to solve that problem would be to basically just go on out there put big rolling speed bumps along the entire stretch of it and that would slow traffic down pretty substantially. I, I, I think, I mean, I don't think we need to shut things down. It, it can't be an either either the drivers are there or they're not there. I think we can have the drivers there, 
because for all of us, and, and Duluth is a very pretty town. The Skyline Drive is very nice. Patrick, who is our winner of the book here, by the way? It is Gary in Denver. So we have a very wide-reaching audience. Congratulations, Gary in Denver. De- De- Denver, Iowa? Denver, oh. Colorado. <laughs> well, uh, that's a little bit of a surprise. Hello, Denver. By the way, love your town. Denver is a very cool town. I was out there uh, a year and a half ago and just fantastic. Went up to Rocky Mountain National. Beautiful. Denver's fun. Go out and visit Denver. Uh, Gary, enjoy the book from Tom Hartman. Uh, another giveaway tomorrow. And make sure you're listening in to Native Roots Radio as well as also uh, with Ghost Box Radio with uh, Greg. Okay? All right. The other story. I got to tell you this because... Boy, uh, I got a feeling someone is in in big trouble here. The Virginia City Council, yes, Virginia, that Minnesota town, I've spent a lot of time out there, has approved an emergency ordinance Tuesday night prohibiting targeted picketing in residential neighborhoods in the city of Virginia. The new ordinance stems from ASME Local 454, which consists of 60 city workers picketing outside of city council homes in the past two weeks, according to Mayor Larry Cuff Jr. Sue them in court. They'll lose. If it's a public street, they'll lose. <laughs> Seriously, it will. So uh, sue them. They'll lose. The American Federation of State, County, Municipal Employees, Local 454, recently filed an intent to strike after several unsuccessful mediation sessions with the city. March 5th is the first day the union members can legally go on strike. After the 30-minute meeting recess, things heated up even more when Counselor Julianne Paulson, who's an absolute jackass, brought out a basket of pacifiers to offer to the union members. The meeting was cut short Tuesday night due to the caucus and had to wrap up after 30 minutes. Cuff said he was unaware of Paulson's actions at the time because he had his own challenges with the bargaining unit members. Lots of insults were flying. We are all dealing with it. But Cuffile did that Paulson's actions were unprofessional and uncalled for, even with the negotiations being very difficult this time around. She understands that. She was just frustrated. Well, no, she was just a douche. That's what she was. And tell her I said she was. Maybe she can prevent me from being anywhere near her house. <laughs> because she's scared. I got something for you. Why don't you give the workers what they deserve and don't be jackasses and then people don't protest your house and you don't have to be a jerk with the pacifiers. All union people, you should be paying attention to what Paulson did here because this is pretty egregious. Um, the meeting was called to order again at 8 a.m. on Wednesday. Paulson apologized later in the meeting. I think because I think she realized she she you're in Virginia. It's a mining town. For God's sakes, union people are all over the place there. I just want to take this time to publicly apologize for my actions after the council meeting last evening. It was not my intention to offend employees. Bull crap. You brought a box of pacifiers because they were babies because they're not. You know, why aren't they happy about me cutting their pay and no benefits? <laughs> I'm paraphrasing, but you see the point. My intent was not to offend employees. You lying sack. What was your intent then? After being targeted, picketed, and harassed, my business window was shattered. My business mailbox has been damaged. I'm the victim. I added the I'm the victim part. There have been things said to me about me. My personal phone number has been put out to the public. I received eight calls and I got caught up in the heat of the moment. I just want to apologize to everyone in this room, to our employees for getting caught up in the heat of the moment. So basically, hey, even though I was trying to be a jerk, 
I wasn't trying to be a jerk. You're all jerks, but hey, I guess I'm sorry. That's that's Paulson's road to <laughs> so profile and courage there. Uh, hey, I got this. Why don't you pay the workers what they deserve, make sure they get their benefits, and stop being jerks? Then they won't protest you. Then you don't have to be jerks and apologize. But hey, that's just me, Uniontown. You guys, what happened to you in Virginia? What happened to you guys in Virginia? Native Roots Radio is up next. Have a good one. We're back tomorrow. Till then, see ya!